Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Well, hey, we're continuing this series called Rivers. Look at your neighbor and say, Rivers. And we're talking about how the Holy Spirit is moving in and through our lives. How many know the Holy Spirit uh, doesn't... In the Old Testament, the, Old, the Holy Spirit moved on your life. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit flows through your life. And so that's really what we're focusing on on this series. And last week, we talked about that when we drink from Jesus, the river takes over. And so that's exactly what he talks about in John chapter 7, verse 37. He says, anyone, anybody, some translations say whosoever. I don't know about you, but I want to be a whosoever. Anyone who comes to me, anyone who is thirsty may come to me, and anyone who believes in me may come and drink. So all you got to do is believe in Jesus, and then you come to him and you drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Some translations say from his utmost being, but what we studied last week and what we learned is that that's the same Greek word uh, that the New Testament uses for the word womb. So Jesus is saying out of your womb, out of the life giving place of your life, I will put a river inside of you and it will flow out of you. And then it says in verse 39, when he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit. So when we drink of Jesus, the river takes over. And we, we studied a little bit in Ezekiel chapter 47, where it talks about how what, what that looks like. And we were encouraging you to camp out in there uh, as we continue this series. Today, I want to talk about a familiar story uh, that we're that most of us are familiar with. It's about Jesus, and he's talking to this Samaritan woman at a well. And I'm going to dig into that just um, in just a moment. But this is a, a story that we share a lot around here. I've probably preached on this probably half a dozen times uh, in the short history of Overflow Church. It's just kind of a life passage for me. And this is actually before Jesus uh, speaks in the John chapter 7 passage, which we've been spending some time. And uh, this will kind of help broaden our grid and our understanding for what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about water flowing out of us. So it says this, that Jesus tired as he was from the journey, set down by the well, Jacob's well. You guys remember we did a series back in June about Jacob called Driver. Yeah, we did that, that series. I'm so glad you remember. And so it says that, that, that there was a well that Jacob had that, that people were still drinking from. And uh, I believe there's another well that people are still drinking from that Jacob experienced, that well that he saw that was up in the heavens. Come on. And it says this, that it was about the sixth hour. Everybody say lunchtime. Now it's lunchtime. So, so this is the sixth hour of the day. It would have been probably 11 or, or 12 o'clock. So it's lunchtime. Typically in those days, everybody wasn't going to the well. They weren't going to the restaurants. They were at home. They were eating at home. And it says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water... Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? It's interesting. Jesus is asking her for a drink. His disciples had gone into town to buy food. So they were going to a restaurant. And the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? In other words, why are you even talking to me? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, everybody say the gift of God. 
Now, the gift of God, Jesus is the Holy Spirit, is the gift of the Father, right? He talks about that as a, your Father. If you ask for gifts, the Father, we, we apply that to everything. But specifically, Jesus is talking about the gift of the Father, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the Holy Spirit, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him that he would give you living waters. You would ask me for a drink. If you knew the Holy Spirit, if you had a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and you knew who I was, I wouldn't be asking you for a drink. You'd be asking me for a drink. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. So she's missing everything. You're going to see this. She's a little clueless. I think she was a blonde Samaritan woman. I mean, uh, I don't, oh, come on, easy. Easy, easy. I'm just being playful, serious. <laughs> Sir, the woman said. Uh, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Jesus could have said right there, you have no idea how deep it is. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well to drink from himself? as did also his sons and his flocks and herd. And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water, everyone who drinks from the well that Jacob put here will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water. So you drink of Jesus and the river takes over. I will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. In other words, it will go on and on and on. The woman said, sir, there's another one of those moments. I won't call it a blonde moment. Wait, I just did. Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep, come back to keep drawing water. <laughs> She's totally missing it. He said to her, go call your husband and call back. Whoa. Change gears here. Go call your husband and call back. Come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you have now is not even your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I see that you are a prophet. I see that you are prophet. So this woman at the well that day, what do we know about her? Well, first of all, we know that she's a woman. Now, you got to understand something about the Middle East during this time. It was not permitted for a man to talk to a woman in public. It wasn't okay. It wasn't kosher for a Jew, right? He could not talk to a woman. He couldn't even talk to his mother, his wife, or his daughter in public. It was frowned upon for a man to talk to a woman, even the women that were close to him. In public, he wasn't allowed to do that. She was a woman. Jesus is being shady. Jesus is breaking the rules. The second thing that we know about this woman is that she's a Samaritan. Now, Samaritans were considered by Jews to be dogs. They treated them like dogs. They talked to them. They, they were like dogs. They were, Samaritans were basically kind of like half Jewish. They knew the law. They, they kept a lot of the Jewish traditions and the laws and things like that. However, 
the Jews kind of ostracized them. That's why whenever we talk about the story of the Good Samaritan, everybody's so blown away with it because nobody thinks Samaritans can do anything good. There was such a low view of Samaritans. They were considered enemies. How many of you know that prejudice, racism, tribalism, that is nothing new? So Jesus is dealing with the issues of, the, of, of that age, also the issues of this age. Jesus is dealing with showing us how to treat women. And you, you have, by the way, you have no idea how, how bad it is. We talk about how bad women are, are treated in America. I'm not saying they're treated well or the way that they should be treated, but I'm saying you look at other cultures, we've come a long way. We still got a ways to go. So Jesus breaks the cultural norms to extend his love. Talks to a woman, not only a woman, but a Samaritan woman. Jesus breaks the rules of what we would call racism or prejudice or tribalism. He's embracing someone, talking to someone he shouldn't be talking to. So she's a woman. She's a Samaritan woman. And she's immoral. Another thing that you're not supposed to do, especially if you're a rabbi, you're not supposed to talk to women you're not supposed to talk to Samaritan women, and you're especially not supposed to talk to immoral Samaritan women. Yet Jesus breaks the rules. She was immoral. Most theologians, most historians believe that this woman was a prostitute. And here she is at a well at noon when she's supposed to be at home eating. Why is she at the well at noon? Well, you got to make your trip to the well. But you got to understand something. The well, during those days, they were, they were the social hub for women. That's where women would come together together and chit-chat and gossip and talk about their new facial piercing, you know, or, or their, their, the accent to their rope. This is where they hung out. This was their social, uh, the, the, the social peak of their day. This is where they, the thing that they look forward to every day. So when this woman shows up at noon, she didn't expect anybody to be there because she was immoral. She had a reputation. She had some issues. So she didn't want anybody confronting her issues, yet someone comes up when she's there to confront her issues. She was immoral. She was guilty, totally guilty. An immoral Samaritan woman, a guilty, immoral Samaritan woman. We also know that she was broken. Here's a woman hiding out, sneaking out during the day to make her daily trip to the well like she's done every day. I kind of wonder what she thought about when she would walk to the well. I kind of wonder if she daydreamed about what her life would have looked at it like if she would have taken a different path. Maybe she would have thought about the one husband that she would have had. Maybe she thought about the children that she would one day bear. And all those dreams were crushed because she had chosen a life of sin. She was broken. She was broken in her ability to hold what God had purposed of her. And I believe she was ridden with shame. I think that that's, that's evident of why she was at the well at this time of the day. She was full of shame. 
Now, it's one thing to be guilty. It's one thing to be immoral. It's another thing to be full of shame, to, to cover your face. She was a broken woman. She was a broken vessel. When I think about broken vessels and when I think about this narrative, I always think about Jeremiah chapter 2. Now, Jeremiah, if you know anything about Jeremiah, Jeremiah was what we call the weeping prophet. And the reason why we call Jeremiah the weeping prophet is because he had the duty of declaring God's judgments. (laughs) It's said that Jeremiah maybe had one convert in his whole ministry, but he was obedient. So Jeremiah had, had the duty of going around and declaring the judgment of God. Could you imagine? No hope, just judgment. Judgment. And guys, I'm just here to tell you, you're all going to hell. You're all filthy sinners. You're going to hell. Bye. You know, no good news. No good news from Jeremiah. No wonder he only had one convert. But he was successful in the eyes of God because he was obedient. And Jeremiah has the task of telling Israel how they've screwed up. And one of the things that Israel really struggled with was idolatry. Just like America today. I would say the biggest sin in America, what is the biggest sin? I would say it's idolatry. It's all about me. It's all about what I can do. It's all about my esteem and self-care and taking care of me, 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 me culture. And I can't get it fast enough. And I can't get there quick enough. And it's all about me. If somebody cuts me off in traffic, I freak out. I was talking to Leslie about this the other day. It's like, it's like when we're in traffic, like we have zero grace. That could have been like the one mistake that that person made in driving in 10 years. And they cut us off and we're like, these terrible drivers. It's like, dude, they buy the like, I mean, have you ever made a mistake with driving? You're like, oh, you know, people are honking at you. Hey, what was that? You know, and they're driving by and you're like, I'm sorry. You know, you feel bashful about it because you haven't been making those mistakes all day, but we have zero grit. Why? Because people are just so driven towards their purposes. They're so driven to what they've got to do and you're standing in the way because we're me-centered And so he's dealing with idolatry. And this is what he says. Has any nation ever traded its God for new ones, even though they are not gods at all? Yet my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. Ouch. The heavens are shocked. Now, this is God saying this. This is God through the prophet Jeremiah. He says, the heavens are shocked. I thought you said nothing surprised God. Apparently, some things do. It surprises God that you would choose yourself over him. The heavens are shocked at such a thing and shriek back in horror and dismay, says the Lord. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me. They have abandoned me. The fountain, come on, the fountain of living water. I have a good thing, and you've abandoned me. I have the life that you need. I have the resources that you need. I have the love that you need. I have the affirmation that you need, and you've abandoned me. I have something life-giving to give you, and you've abandoned me. It's evil. It's the sin of omission. 
I'm just so discouraged, Pastor. Have you read your Bible and prayed this week? No. You've abandoned the fountain. Have you drank from the fountain this week? Well, I went to church. I watched TBN. Don't do that. (laughs) You can do that also if you like. But I would encourage you to eat yourself because you're grown up. People tell me they leave the church. I'm not being fed. I'm like, how old are you? (laughs) Not being fed. Okay. Wow. They have abandoned me. They fountain of living water. And they have dug for themselves. Here it is. They have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. So they've abandoned me. And then they've dug these cisterns that can't even hold water because they're broken. So that proposes two questions to us. Number one, have you been drinking from the wrong source? Have you been coming to the fountain of living water, the God of all gods? The one who is full of resource, full of provision, full of life. Have you been abandoning that to drink from something else? Like this woman was drinking from relationship to relationship to relationship to find fulfillment. Beloved, can I tell you today, no matter how godly a person is, they will never fulfill you. You don't find your fulfillment in a person. You don't drink from a person. You drink from Jesus. He's the fountain. He's your source of joy. He's your source of strength. He's your source of peace. It's not a circumstance. It's not a situation. You're not waiting for the rain to fall. You have a fountain of water that you drink from that will give you life. Why would you drink anywhere else? Well, if these things happen in my life, then I'll serve God. You're drinking from the wrong fountain. And here she is. And here we end up with a heart full of disappointments. Heart full of shame. Just because we've been trying to get our fulfillment from the wrong source. But he says this other thing, and I want to dig into this a little bit. Broken cisterns that cannot hold water. A cistern, if you don't know what a cistern is, a cistern is kind of like a well, except for a well has a hole at the bottom. A well accesses or accesses, accesses a river. There's some water there. You dig a well. Now you have access to the river. A cistern doesn't have access to the river. It doesn't have a hole in the bottom. Typically in arid uh, places like the deserts in Israel of that day, what would happen is they would have hills, they would have rocks on them, or they would have some hard soil, and they, there would already be a cave or a hole there, and they would dig that hole even further, sometimes up to 20, 25 feet, three feet in diameter, just big holes that were kind of like wells, and they were there for one purpose, to catch rainwater. And so what they would do is they would line these holes. First of all, they would dig them out. It says, dig for yourselves. They would dig these holes out. If it was already a pretty, they would make it a little bit deeper, get it as deep as they could, and then they would line it with plaster. Well, if you know anything about plaster, it works for a little while, but eventually it 
breaks. And so the plaster's purpose was to put a seal on the cistern so that when the rain comes, the water would stay and it wouldn't go away. The only way the water gets out is if you draw from it like you would draw from a well, or it just dries up. The other way the water gets out of it is the lining cracks or there's a hole in the cistern. So the cistern can't hold water. Are you tracking? See, we are just like cisterns. We're fragile. That's why a good thing happens in your life, and you're like, yeah, I feel so good. And tomorrow, you don't feel that way anymore. Why? Because you're a fragile cistern. And that stuff eventually, what happens to you eventually goes away. The high from that, the peace that comes from that, the joy. So he's saying, listen, you need to be coming to God and drinking from this endless eternal fountain that's going to give you life. Quit trying to wait on things that fall in your, in, in your disability, your dysfunction to even contain what falls. And we live all the time. We've been talking about this. We live all the time by what falls, my job, my relationships, how many likes I get on my Facebook post? On what fall? I'll be, if, every, if this could just happen, then I'll be fulfilled. And all that happens and we don't get fulfilled because we're broken cisterns. And let me just suggest to you this. Even if your cistern was perfect, you're still drinking from the wrong source. Because you weren't meant to live on what falls. You were meant to live on what flows. And Jesus said if you believed in him, you would not just tap into the river. You would become a source of the river. The nations would come to you to drink. But what we do is we live like cisterns, and we're trusting everybody else to give us enough so we can live. And we're unfulfilled. Maybe your trust has been in you. Sounds almost like idolatry. Beloved, you weren't simply recreated. Everybody say recreated. You were not recreated to simply sustain, but to provide. And all a cistern can do is sustain. Cisterns hold water, wells provide water. You are a well. You are not a cistern. You are not a broken cistern. You are a well. God created you to be a well. That you would be an individual that the world comes to to get resource, to get strength, to draw from. What are they drawing? Are they drawing from you? No, they're drawing from the river that you are tapped into called the Holy Ghost. But many of us, we're not living there. And all we have is a bunch of stagnant, polluted water to offer the world. Because we live Sunday to Sunday, or event to event, or church once a month. And you wonder why there's no life. Beloved, drill that cistern down till you get to the river. John chapter 4, 14, where we're at in our text today. I want to read this from the Passion Translation. If anyone drinks the living water I give them 
they will never thirst again and will forever be forever satisfied. Again, the point is not your satisfaction, but you get satisfaction out of it. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit springing up and flooding you with endless life. This is what we call the overflowing life. We're tapped in. We're drinking from the river. The river's pouring out into us, out of us. We're fountains. We're fountains of the Holy Spirit. We are fountains of the Holy Spirit. Here's the deal. If you're broken, just like this woman, understand this. Just like Jesus wasn't there to put the woman down. Come on. Jesus cares for the broken. See, Jesus cares for the broken. I, I don't know about you, but, but I know that many times when I'm going through dark seasons, I went through a dark season a couple years ago. I, I, remember, I, I remember sitting out here in the lobby and talking to Pastor Emlet about it, just being so broken. And he's like, we're praying for you, Pastor. I remember that season, man. It was a long season. But, you know, I, I look back over my life, and I don't think that, that I've ever been more in tune with what the Lord was saying than I was during that season. You know why? Because I was so dependent upon God to get me through that. I heard God speak so many clear words, active, frequently. I mean, it was insane. But, but when we were in the midst of it. When I was in the midst of it, I didn't realize how much God was speaking to me. In fact, when I'm going through the hard times, I go, God, where are you at? Anybody else? You're going through and you're like, God, where are you? You look at your bank statement, God, where are you? You look at your, your, your marriage difficulties, God, where are you? You look at the betrayal that you've faced, God, where are you? You're dealing with your emotional disappointment and discouragement and despair, God, where are you? And this is what it says when we're going through brokenness in Psalm 34, 18. It says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He's not far away. I know you feel like he's hard away, but far away. But listen, when you are, when you are with the Lord, when you, when you are hurting, even when you're not calling out to him, he's going, you know what? I'm right here, and I'm not going anywhere. I, I'm right here. I'm right here in the room with you. I'm right here when it's hard, when it's dark, when you feel like I'm distance. I'm right here. I'm right here. Will you just lean your ear in and hear what I have to say? See, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. If you feel crushed, if you feel broken, he's close. He's right there. I want to remind you today, whatever you're going through, no matter how disappointed you are, no matter how many people have betrayed you, no matter how wounded you are, no matter how, how bad the church has let you down. Jesus is close to the brokenhearted. He's willing to associate with your brokenness. He doesn't shame you for your past. He doesn't shame you for your current condition. He gets right there and he sits at the well and he says, I'm right here. I'm close to you in your brokenness and if you will drink of me. I'll bring resolve. So Jesus cares for the broken. The second thing that Jesus does 
with brokenness. Get this, as he rebuilds. Everybody say rebuilds. Jesus rebuilds the broken. See, I don't believe that Jesus repairs the broken. I think Jesus rebuilds the broken. And we have this mindset. I was talking to Neil about this between services. He says, you know, one of the things that I found out is it's a lot easier to repair something than it is to rebuild something. It takes longer. But, beloved, the results of rebuilding are so much better than repairing. There's a, a Chick-fil-A, since we're talking about the kingdom. There's a Chick-fil-A kind of by our house over on Carrier. And uh, a couple years ago, they closed the Chick-fil-A down. Darkest day in history. So we had to leave the father's house and go down the road to Papa's. Just kidding. So we didn't. We didn't do that. No, we just waited on the Lord. We just waited. <laughs> we just trusted him. So they shut down the Papa's. I mean, they're the, they probably should shut it down. They shut down the... <laughs> Man, relax. Whoa. Put the rocks away. We go to the... We, we drop out of Chick-fil-A. They got it on their sign. They're closed for remodeling. Can I tell you that they leveled that building to the ground completely? It was gone. I'm like, what are they doing? I guess they're going to make it bigger. Maybe they'll make it like three stories. Have you, ever, what, have you ever seen the miracles that they do in Chick-fil-A, how fast they move that lawn? I mean, there's, there, there is something supernatural about Chick-fil-A. I'm just saying, it's just crazy the, the way that they do things. I'm like, how do they not run out of food and serve me so fast? weird. It's kind of creepy a little bit. And so the building is completely demolished, and then they rebuild it. They, they did it pretty quick. I mean, they have God's help. So they build the building really quick. And we go into the Chick-fil-A, the new renovated Chick-fil-A. It's, it doesn't seem any bigger. It just functions different. But did you know they didn't repair what was broken? They had to rebuild it. And so the Lord, when I was thinking about this, the Lord shared this to me in a message I was preparing for a while back. And the Lord showed me this. He said, you know what? I don't need your building." I don't need what you've done. This is how we treat Jesus sometimes. Lord, I just need you to come in and fix this. I need you to come in and repair this little area. I need you to come and add a window or do an add-on or put something on. No, 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 no. He wants to completely rebuild you. But you know what all he needs? He doesn't need what you've built before. You know what he needs? He needs your real estate. He just needs your space. That's all he needs. He doesn't need your history. He doesn't need your past. He's going to do something new anyway. So you keeping it there and trying to keep things intact like they already are is futile. He wants that to be totally gone because he wants to do something new, and he wants to fill you with the Spirit of God. And you're trying to do what you've been doing your whole life. You're just a broken cistern. You will not be able to contain what God wants to do. Allow him to rebuild your life. Stop holding on so preciously to the life that you have built. It's broken. He won't give you the new without giving you the capacity to carry it. 
And beloved, he will give you the capacity, but you need a supernatural capacity. It says this in John chapter 2, 22. Jesus says this. He says, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins. And both the wine and the wineskin will be ruined. No. He pours new wine into new wineskins. We're going to talk a little bit more more about this next week, the way a wine skin works. But understand this. If you want the new wine, and when we're speaking of the new wine, we are speaking of the Holy Spirit. If you want the Holy Spirit, then you will have to allow Jesus to rebuild your life. This is why you have to be born again. You don't add Jesus on. We don't come to Jesus and say, Lord, would you work on my finances? Lord, would you work on my marriage? Lord, we say, what do we do is we go to God and we say, Lord, I'm a completely yielded vessel. Would you rebuild me? And he says, gladly. You're a new creation. The old things are gone. Behold, all things are new. The problem is when we hold on to our past, our joys, all that kind of stuff, we also hold on to our pains. And he's compassionate with your pain, but he wants to do something new. And in this woman, he rebuilds her. See, the problem is many of us want just the benefits of Jesus. We want Jesus the servant, but not Jesus the king. We want Jesus the healer, not Jesus the holy. We want Jesus the lover, not Jesus the Lord. We want what Jesus can do for me to enhance my life. And he's saying, will you take all of me? Listen, are you willing to allow him? Are you willing to allow him to fix the things in your life that you want to keep dysfunctional? Well, I'm not ready to give that to the Lord yet. Then he's not your Lord. With as much tenderness and as much grace, beloved, I can say this. Either he's Lord of all, Lord of all, or Lord of none. Is he Lord of all? Is he Lord of all? Because we have our little sins that we don't want to give up. We have little sections of our life say, Jesus, I don't want you to touch that. And this woman is confronted with her past. She's confronted with her issues. She's actually confronted with the sin that she's living in. We think that Jesus is just being like, oh, I just come drink the water. Then he's like... You've been married like, you've been married all these times, the guy you're living with, you're not even married to him. I mean, he is, Jesus is straight up bring, backing this woman into a corner. In tenderness and love, in grace, it's grace that he showed up. It's tenderness that he approaches her. It's love that he continues this conversation with her. But it's also in love and in tenderness and in grace that he confronts her issue. And he backs her into the corner. And he calls out her sin. How do you act when Jesus backs you into the corner? Are you defensive? Well, you don't understand. Or are you yielded? Are you vulnerable with Jesus? Listen, we're not, we're not just giving him our pain. We're giving him our lives. How do you act when Jesus backs you into a corner? Do you fight out? 
But Lord, or do you say, come on, Lord, get, take it all. I'm completely yielded to you. See, this woman, I want to I propose something to you. Numbers chapter 5, there's, a, there's a, an event called a trial of jealousy. And in this event, if a woman is accused of adultery, which is sex outside of marriage, if a woman is accused of adultery, her husband can take her to the priest just out, just accusing her, just curious. She's, I think she's having an affair. He can take her to the priest, which is totally uncool. And the priest will make a potion, for lack of a better word, from some of the dust on the ground and some of the water that they use for ordinances and things like that. They put it in a flask and they shake it up and they give them the water to drink. It's called bitter water. If the woman is innocent, she'll drink the water and nothing will happen. However, if she's guilty of the adultery, it will shrivel her womb. That's why it's called bitter, bitter water. It's crazy. So when Jesus calls this woman out and she goes, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. As a Samaritan, she knows this. She's knowing, is he about to make me drink some of that water? Because I have hopes and I have dreams of one day I'm going to get out of my life. And I want to have children. But I'm guilty as charged. But Jesus says, no, 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 the water that I offer. The water that I'm offering you today is living water. Let's deal with your sin. But I have more for you. I love you. I have more for you. And Jesus installs wells. And that's what he does to this woman. We're going to talk about, we're going to, we'll pick up there next week. But, but I, I want to tell you something about this woman in history. Her name is St. Fotina. If you'll study her out in, in Greek, Greek uh, I'm sorry, in a Orthodox church and some of the Catholic traditions, if you will, they, they've done their homework on her. And they found out that this woman went on to have five daughters and two sons and led a revival. She had a, a, a revival. It shows us in Scripture right here in revival. But history records that she move, actually goes into Africa and leads a movement. Why? Because she drank that living water. Listen, Jesus wants to rebuild in you a capacity Jesus wants to rebuild in you a well, but you've got to decide, what are you going to do when you're backed into a corner? Jesus has you in the corner. Are you going to be defensive or are you going to be vulnerable? What are you going to do with it? His purpose isn't to shame you. His purpose is to rebuild you. His purpose is not to shame you. His purpose is to rebuild you. I said his purpose isn't to shame you. His purpose is to rebuild you, and he wants to rebuild you today. I felt like today what we need to do is we need to, we need to draw from that well of his presence. Can you just stand as, as, as we're finishing up today? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, and full assurance of faith. He goes on to say, because our hearts have been sprinkled 
that our hearts have been cleansed. He's saying, let us draw near to God. James chapter 4, verse 8 says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Lean in to God, and he will lean into you. Press into God, and he will press in to you.